0: Wild hair you took the over. I was like, Wild hair every <laughs> once in a while the black swan happens. And you know, and I was like, It's gonna be the year. He gets to play No, I was wrong. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, the inspiration behind the full body cavity search, my brother Mike. Hey, if you're not hiding, you're not trying, all right? <laughs> if it's a game of hide that and chess seek. I guy learned everything he knows from you, right. didn't he? That's right. If it's a game of hide <laughs> and go seek, I ain't one to lose, okay? So, uh, better be in it to win it, officer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, uh police are like very happy with the innovations that you've created in the law enforcement community it's just well done well done uh on this week's episode we'll review the royals 2022 season as a whole discuss our preseason predictions that we made many months ago and that now look hilarious (laughs) we'll give out some end of the year awards which are completely worthless it's like like, hey these two guys they think that you deserve an award of some sort yeah i hope somebody puts this on their mantle Right, they should. They should put yeah. the video of us giving them the award on the mantle, right? Yeah. And then we'll preview the offseason as well, because it's going to be an important one for the Royals. We all know that. Mike, how are you feeling? You're ready to go. This is our last uh, real episode of the season in season styles. I am ready to speculate wildly. We'll start the week in review. I'm putting or the season in review uh, with roster news. I don't have any like actual roster news. I'm not really discussing the week that was those three games, just because it's th- the last three games of the season. Who really cares? And then we got big news right after the season ended, and that big news was Mike Matheny and Cal Edward were finally fired. Finally, something the thing that we have all been calling for finally happened. Right? It took a year at least, but finally that that era is over you made it royals fans you made it yeah okay uh not many of you made it a lot of you dropped off a lot of you sort of you know just (laughs) 2015 was a long time ago wasn't it (laughs) that was a long time ago all right but if you're listening to this podcast you probably made it good job way to go Uh, It was inevitable, but what what do we? What do you think of the timing of of how it went down, or how JJ's spoken about it? Happened literally like two hours after the last game. They were it was announced that they were fired. Mike, what do you think of how it all went down? First thing, Mark and I may be cheering the firing of these people, but we do understand that there are real world consequences for these people and their families when they lose their jobs. So we're not necessarily happy that people lose their jobs, but we are we are fans of the team and commenters on the team, and the team needed a. Matheny and Eldred ectomy. Okay, badly. I will say and that so, to, I will say that th- that these guys are millionaires. They're going to sleep okay tonight. They're, they're going to okay. sleep go to sleep on a giant pile of money and they'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Um. And so the timing, the timing is laughable. Let's start there. Okay. The timing of this move is laughable. But you know, until you got rid of Dayton Moore, you weren't going to get rid of Mike Matheny and Cal Eldred, and that be- has become more apparent and more apparent as we've gone on here you know, Dayton Moore is a loyal person and it's very obvious now that he was not going to get rid of these two. And that's why he, no, one of the reasons why he no longer has a job. This should have been done a long time ago. Okay. At the very least, Eldridge should have lost his job at the end of last year. And Matheny at the middle of this year, if you're being really conservative, you'd say the middle of this year, they were really, 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 really conservative and did it at the end of the year. So they could have done better. It could have happened a lot earlier. So the timing to me isn't very good because it should have been done a lot earlier. Yeah, it's weird. The Royals are great at doing things way too late and then all of a sudden, right? Like it's like we're going to wait, 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 months, <laughs> months, months. And then like, boom, overnight we did it or like an hour we did it, you know, like. And so it's like it's <laughs> did you just see weird what they it announced is- it too. Yeah. The last game was on Wednesday. They announced it at 9.30 Wednesday night. <laughs> that yeah. This yeah. was happening. It was amazing. Yeah. It was great. Everybody was like, yeah, finally. Yes. Twitter was going nuts. Everybody was so happy or whatever. And it's like, it, but that's classic Royals, right? It is classic. And they were like cheering the fact that they did it so quickly. And I'm like as classic Royals, like get your fan base to lower the bar so low for you that they've dug a, a six foot hole to bury it in. And then you can, you can clear that bar, right? Like it's like, it's insane. to me. I just, I don't get it. I'm glad that like they didn't wait a whole off season to do it or anything like that because we now expect so little from them. But yeah, it's weird to me that they do that. They're very conservative as a, as a group or they have been under Dayton more. That's the thing. It's really not clear what the Royals will be moving forward. Like, Will they be way more transactional? Will they be a lot quicker to make certain decisions? They should be, but I don't know if they will be. It'll be interesting to see moving forward. Do they still take this wait forever and ever and ever to make every decision? Or will they finally start making some decisions quickly like they need to be? In that final week, they did go 1-2 and two, which bring, against the Cleveland Guardians, which brings their overall record at their final season record for the year to an ouchy 65-97, 32 games under five hundred. Their model said they'd be 500. They were not 500. Uh, Mike, what are your general <laughs> thoughts on the season as a whole? The magic spreadsheet shot out 500. Oh, Dang. what happened? We yeah. had a spreadsheet, everybody. Damn it. Um, I learned Excel for but, this. I, yeah, I went to a one hour training on Excel for this. Geez. Um, excitement around the young players was my feeling in the season as a whole, but you can't be out of it in May. And Royals fans have just gotten way too used to being out of contention in May. I mean, it it's just so hard to stay a fan of a team, a baseball team. You know, the season's not short. It's a long season, and you're out of it at the beginning. And so, yeah, it's always depressing when you're completely out of contention in May. And so They're- I was excited every time they brought up a new young guy and we got to see him play. It was exciting to see Vinny Pasquantino sort of look like he's going to be a, a real Peace here and Bobby Witt Jr. as well. And, and to see Michael Massey play and to see uh, Melendez play and and to see Singer turn it around. That was great. But man, it's hard to continue watching. You know, we we do this, you know, every week. And so you, you have to continue watching games and continue watching games. It's not easy. It's not easy to continue watching games when you know they're 20 games under 500 and they mean nothing. Yeah. And it it hurts their, you look at their attendance numbers, man. It it hurt their attendance numbers big time. It's going to, of course, hurt their revenue big time. Yeah. Being out of it in May is like the worst thing that you can do. And so I'm sure Sherman and them are having a lot of conversations about how do we compete from day one, right? It always seems like for the last few years anyway, The Royals have been like, well, we still got to learn a lot about our team right here at the beginning of the year. It's like, no, you should already know about your team. There's no learning about your team when the games matter. That doesn't, you don't do that. Like, you know, and so we'll see how that ends up turning out uh, next year, hopefully better than it did this year. But as I look back on the season as a whole, it makes me think that there's like just enough for dreamers to dream on happened this season. Like you mentioned all the young players and things like that. Yeah. There's just enough of that to dream on for the future. But the realists actually see a lot to be worried about on this team, right? They see the fact that, you know, the young hitters did okay this year, but nobody really, they didn't have any outliers in terms of guys who just like took off. They didn't have any, like it doesn't look, Bobby Witt Jr. looks pretty good for a rookie, but he, he didn't like, wasn't a superstar in year one. He didn't look like Julio Rodriguez. He didn't, right? They didn't have any of that type of guy for their young hitters, right? They didn't have anyone like that. Vinny Pascantino was good, but not great, right? And so it looks like what you need then is for all of them to take a step forward. Brady Singer took a big step forward, but the rest of the rotation was garbage. It's like there's just enough for to dream on, but there are still so many holes and so many things that have to go right for them to even come close to sniffing 500 next year or the year after that. A lot has to go right. And it's just one of those things where it's like, ugh, I feel like everybody sort of got a splash of cold water this year being like, Oh, this is the stark reality of where this roster is right now. And I, I don't like that. I, I wish they would. And you know, JJ, uh, Piccolo threw some cold water on the notion of going out and spending in free agency and stuff like that. He's like, eh, we're really not going to do that. And stuff like that. And it like, okay, well now we're, everybody's sad because that's what this team needs. It, it needs roster improvements. And it doesn't sound like the Royals are all that interested in doing it quickly. It sounds like they hearing JJ Piccolo's comments. I thought to myself, Oh, so you're just like restarting the rebuild. Like, all the way restarting it, it sounds like. And I'm like, that's not something that's going to make fans super happy. That's because the stuff to dream on won't be around long no, enough. It's gone. For no, it'll all be gone. By the, like, yeah, yeah, yeah no. if, if you want to actually contend next year and the year after when you have the Bobby Witt Juniors and the Vinny Pasquantinos and, and those guys, unless you somehow have a plan for extending them, they're going to be gone by the time that rebuild is done. And yes, you can turn stuff around quicker with development and things like that now than you used to be able to, but it's, you're still talking three or four years. Well, you only get six and all of these guys just burned their first one. So what and do you Singers burned Three, here? you know, you know, like singers down yeah, he's three gone, years so. of service time, you know, Bubich is down a bunch. Lynch okay. is down two. you know, like, yeah, I, that, that was a little baffling to me. I, and you never really know when these guys talk, what, it what's real and what's just them filling air time. But Yeah, that would be really disconcerting for me if we go this entire offseason and they don't go out to do something to improve their rotation, at least like it has to be done. If you want to be competitive in any way. Yeah, that has to be done. And I I really thought this at the beginning of last year or this season, like I heard a lot of people and and I fell into this trap, too, because my record prediction was about 500. And I thought, well, if everything goes right, that's where there will be. But I thought there were a lot of people thinking that this team was going to be really good and going like, well, Raul, you know, Adalberto Mondesi is going to be this. And look at how good our infield's going to be with Bobby Witt Jr. being a superstar. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You're counting on Nicky Lopez to do the same thing again. You're counting on Hunter Dozier to be as good as he was in the only good year he's ever had. You're counting on Adalberto Mondesi to stay healthy. Bobby Witt Jr. to step into the league and be a superstar immediately. Like, all of these things, you're like, not all of those things are going to happen. They were counting on Daniel Lynch taking a step forward, Bubich taking a step forward, like Brad Keller being the best he's ever been. It's like, no, like, not all those things happen at once. Salvador Perez having the historic season that he did last year. Like, we were, we were counting on everything going right, and that's just not how baseball works. Well, what's interesting is, it actually, everything turned out, so if everything had gone right, we would have hit the 90th percentile. Of of our outcome, mm-hmm. right? Which is about 500, right? If everything went wrong, they would have gone 65 and 97. Literally all those things that you just mentioned went wrong. <laughs> like, the only thing you could say went right is Brady Singer. I mean, I don't know that all of them did. Almost everyone. Brady Singer took a step forward. That is the only one that you would say, hey, that one came, that one went right, right? All the others, like Bobby Wood Jr. wasn't a superstar when he came right in the league. Uh, Lynch didn't take a step forward. Hubech didn't take a step forward. Salvador Perez was hurt a lot and didn't have the year he had last year. Nicky Lopez was back to the worst offense you can imagine. Like all the things that you imagine, like that you would say like, Oh, this needs to go right. This needs to go right. The exact opposite happened, you know? And you know, we can say, Hey, what does it take for predictions to be so wrong? Well, if you're making predictions in a sound way, you're probably spitting, splitting down the middle and say half of those things that we need to go right, will go right. And half the things we need to go, right. will go wrong this year way more skewed to the things going wrong, right? Um, and so that's how you end up with such a terrible record and such a terrible season that really not very many people saw coming, at least to this degree. Yeah, and I think the outcomes a lot of, in a lot of those cases were we, we were we were really lying to ourselves. Like some of those things were just wholeheartedly unrealistic. If you look at Hunter Doshier's past and to think that he was going to be an everyday guy was ridiculous. If you look at Alberto Mondesi's past to think he was going to be healthy, Ridiculous. Nicky Lopez has passed. Even now looking back, we're like, Hey, he hit 300 last year. That was one year. He had whole other years of evidence that shows that that wasn't the player that he was. And we're like, just expecting him now all of a sudden to be that guy. No, like, come on. (laughs) You know, that's why in baseball, especially it's like until you've done it for two or three years, you haven't done anything. You're not a consistent player until you've done it for two or three years in my opinion. It's really, really, really important to us that you subscribe, rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating and reviewing helps more people find the show and lets us know that we're doing something right. And you want us to create more content. Plus Mike can't show his face in his country club. If he doesn't get the subscriber numbers, no tea, no crumpets, no creepy after party with people wearing masks, eyes wide shut style. It's free to subscribe, rate and review. So go out there and do it for us. It only takes a second. It does us a world of good. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. We post a ton of additional analysis on on Twitter and all those things every day and interact with anyone who wants to really talk to us. So please follow us on all the social media, subscribe, rate, and review. We're making this a true season and review episode with our spotlight segment this week. We'll look back at the predictions we made and give out some season awards. We'll start by swallowing all the crow that we have to eat because it is significant. It is a significant amount of crow. Um, I find that if you start with the crow, it all gets a little easier after that, you know. Um, so before the season started, we made 12 predictions and boy, were they bad. <laughs> or at least mine were bad. My ears, I think were bad too. But, you know, you know I am only talking about myself here. Our first prediction from the from the preseason, an over under for Salvador Perez 40 home runs. Mike you took the under, I took the over. He was under. And so uh you, I mean, I hate is it hard being right all the time? Yes, it is hard being right. You're definitely all the time. not right all okay. the time, but you know. Uh <laughs> except for that Win loss total prediction. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. Um that was yeah. you, you're there are a couple over uh, others on here you missed drastically on. But anyway, uh yeah, Salvador Perez. Well, it wasn't a it wasn't a performance issue. It was a being on the field issue, right? He was hurt for too much of the season. Yeah. You're not going to be able to hit 40 home runs if you're hurt that much. And that was fairly predictable considering how much he played last year. Uh, another sort of playing time issue, uh, we, we did over under 100 games for Aldoberto Mondesi. For some reason, I remember this, why I chose over. I was like, wild hair. You took the over. I was like, wild hair. Every <laughs> once in a while, the black swan happens. And, you know, and I was like, it's going to be the year he gets to play. No, I was wrong. I took the over, Mike took the under. Alberto <laughs> Monesi played what like So that that's two two right for me. How many right zero. for you at this point? 0 right for me at this point. That's uh, zero right for it's you. It's going to okay. be zero for me make sure we keep for track. a while, I think. Um yeah, for a while. I, I did not get out a lot of wins in this one. Um <laughs> our next over under uh and an 800 OPS for Bobby Witt Jr. We both chose over. We were both wrong. Right? Bobby Witt Jr. came in with an OPS yes. of what'd you say it was? Seven oh something. seven something 50 something. Uh, maybe. I can look real quick. It looks yeah, like it uh carry the two, carry the one 720, somewhere in that 722, somewhere in that neighborhood. 722. And so okay. Bobby Wood Jr. was not the hitting sensation we had hoped he would be, uh, right away, but he had you know, solid year. We'll just see. On that one, obviously for Bobby. Sorry, seven twenty two was his OPS, and obviously when you have a slugging percentage of four twenty eight, the issue is the on base percentage. He mm-hmm. he was under three hundred for his on base percentage, um, which you know that's kind of been the the knock on his game hasn't necessarily been walks, not taking walks. It's been swinging too much, and that'll get you less walks in, in major league baseball. So his walk rate was really low. I I still am was happy with his season. Um, but I think he hit, he's going to become a more consistent over 800 OPS kind of guy in year, maybe not next year, but the year after and the year after if he continues to develop. A guy who I think development is pretty much tapped out is the next uh, prediction he's we done, made. He's, he's done uh, development sometimes. wise. He's almost 32. Uh, uh, that's Hunter Dozier. We went over under 750 OPS for Hunter Dozier. And you know what? In the first half of the season, it looked like he might make it, right? But he did not. Mike went under. I was went hover- over. He was hovering around that. He was oh, right wait, that's around. It's another win for Mike. It's another win for you. You're three and one. I am owned four. <laughs> I was not viewing this as a competition, but apparently you are. It's so, uh, yeah. yeah. Right now, you it are definitely, definitely is, winning baby. that. Everything is. Hunter Dozier, man. We'll see on that. We'll see if the personnel moves extend to players on the roster or not. Would um, you be okay with him filling the Ryan O'Hearn role? I don't think the Ryan O'Hearn role should exist. Right. Like I don't think you should me keep a guy on your roster just for him to sit there. Right. Like, no, no, I'm not, would not be okay with. It. And besides, if I want somebody filling a Ryan O'Hearn role, that guy better be able to play multiple defensive positions. Well, right. He can run in my opinion. And run. He, <laughs> like, can't, he can't do either of those yeah. things. And so I want athletes no. in those positions. Give me an athlete. Yeah. Give me somebody who's, oh, he only hits lefties. Uh, and, but he plays a few defensive positions. Well, fine. I'll take that guy uh so no no thank you for hunter dozier uh i'll i'll gladly go with someone else next one i finally get on the scoreboard here uh over under 270 or 270 over under a 275 batting average for Nikki lopez you said under barely i just said under that still I, was counts more, as a win. I was more i was more right than you in that one so i'll take i'll take the win <laughs> still there. counts as a win oh another one we were right um Over under 4.25 ERA for Brady Singer. Both of us correct on that one. Good job, us. We both Uh, had under. Way to go. We both had under. The next one was for Jackson Kowar. Over under 15 starts. We both said under there too, and we were both correct by a large margin. He did not make – I don't know where he is anymore. I don't know what's going on. I'll be interested to see what a new pitching development coordinator or pitching development team does with him. But arm talent still there. Changeup still there. We'll see what they do to help make him turn him into something that might be useful. Don't be surprised if he becomes a useful piece, right? But also don't be surprised if he's just a career AAA player. The next one, Dylan Coleman. I think I get to take this one. You had over under a three ERA for Dylan Coleman. You had over, what was I had his under. ERA? His final ERA was, hold on real quick. I will right, we'll look that up. Yeah, I'm not trusting you, so I'm going to look it up too. Because I know you cheat. Uh, okay. You think I'd lie? You know, I think I'd yeah. cheat you. It was 278. Yeah. In, yo, Yeah, face. I had to give you one. Told you he'd make it. Dylan Coleman, extremely talented. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Uh, very talented uh, relief pitcher. Finally sort I, of uh, came into his own yeah, this year. Yeah, I think Stopped probably... Stopped walking so many people. If you'd say, like, who's the who's the relief pitcher of the year for us? We're going to give about some awards later. We didn't do relief pitcher of the year, but... I think he's probably the one um, guy that you're saying, "Oh, hey, he did really great." Now Barlow had a solid year, but not a not as good as what we've become accustomed to. But right, but you know his solid year is basically he probably has a better ERA than Coleman. But you know when you look at what they're doing, Coleman looks like the more exciting pitcher, and looks like he has potential to grow even further. Um, over under fifteenth in major league in runs scored per game. Uh, To be clear, over here means better than 15th. We both said over. We were both wrong. Uh, They were not over (laughs) 15th uh, in runs scored per game. Shocking. Uh, A team that lost 97 games uh, does not appear in the top half of anything. Uh, (laughs) Next one, over under 15th MLB in runs allowed per game. We were right on this one. (laughs) Over, over Over means better than 15th. They were way worse than 15th in runs allowed. They were dead last, I believe. Um, which is bad for those of you who don't know. And that is one of the things that led to calendar being fired. And then, uh, over under 78 and a half wins, we were both dumb enough to say over. (laughs) Boy, do we look like fools now, huh? They were not over. I actually just went just over Our, our record predictions. I put those in here too. Um, Mike's was 80 and 82 and mine was 79 and 83. They were way worse than both of those. And so not a stellar year for the Kansas City Royals. I was only like 15 games off. No, so the only thing that is worse than our predictions was the Kansas City Royals this year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, correct. Anyway, I would like it to be um, stated or clarified that if there was a trophy for this over-under game, which I think we should develop. We'll, on, we'll make one. Okay. Uh, that I... I would currently hold it. I'll start saving toilet paper rolls, and we'll make it out of those. Okay? That's, there we go. That okay. seems fitting for what you deserve. Okay? Uh-huh. Um, I'll ta- You know what? I'll take it. I'll take it, and I will, I will tell you about it every single time I see yeah. you that I have it, and you lost like a big loser. Okay. All right. Okay. We have more awards to give, though. We need to make out more trophies, I think. So despite the fact that we are terrible mm. prognosticators, we're going to give out some season awards because we're great at reflecting on things that happened in the past. We're going to give out position player of the year, pitcher of the year, rookie of the year, minor league position player of the year, minor league pitcher of the year, and then what we're calling the Galaxy Brain Award, and then the, actually, that was a pretty smart award, okay? Mike, give me a drum roll or some kind of thing for position player of the year. <laughs> that was terrible. No, here we go. What is that? Captain that Raymond Holt. Boom. 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 Our position okay. player of the year is? One Robert Baseball Junior. Yay! Yes. We decided to go ahead and give him Position Player of the Year. In terms of F four, he was the most valuable player for the Royals at two point three F four. He had a two fifty four batting average, a two ninety four on base, and a four twenty eight slugging. Is this his peak? I don't think so. But he was sadly the most valuable player for the Royals this year. And I say sadly because when your most valuable player is a two point three F four player, you probably lost ninety seven games. Yeah, and and to be clear, some of you might be going, well, Vinny was a much better offensive player than him. Uh, yes, but in about half of the number of at bats, and so yeah, that we we thought, you know, since Bobby had, was a lot higher in, in wins above replacement, and you know, was there a lot longer that he probably deserved to get this award. Mike, please announce our pitcher of the year. Well, this one was extremely easy. We give our 2022. Royals pitcher of the year to Brady Singer with a 3.23 ERA, a 3.58 FIP fielding independent pitching, and then a 2. He was worth 2.9 F4. Uh, if you had asked after that first month if he'd be the pitcher of the year and you said, yeah, he's going to be the pitcher of the year, we just said, holy crap, that we're in trouble. Now, holy crap, we were in trouble, but it wasn't because of Brady Singer. He went down to AAA, comes back up, throwing the change up more, and looks like a completely different guy. It looks like something you can build a rotation around now. So great season from Brady Singer. Let's hope he continues that into next year. Very, very nice for Brady Singer. Actually, the most valuable player on the team this year, I think. I haven't looked at Barlow. Barlow might actually, I don't know. That has to be. No? no. Yeah, probably Singer because he throws so many more innings. It's hard It's hard for yeah, it's hard for right. bullpen you're guys right. to get that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, our next award goes to Rookie of the Year. And for this one, we are giving it to one Vincent Pasquantino. The Pass was excellent rookie season. You know, if he wasn't hurt for that couple of weeks, these numbers might look even different. But uh, he had 295, 383 with a 450 uh, slugging. And, you know, those numbers were only getting better towards the end of the year. And so that gives him an 833 OPS. He was worth one and a half F4 uh, during the year. A guy who looks like he's got a bright future in the middle of this lineup. Let's hope he sticks around. Longer than the six years he can. But if not, we have six years to really enjoy the talents of the Pasquatch. And he uh, walked more than he struck out, which is fantastic. I still love my left-handed Paul Canerco comp, uh, because I think that's the kind of guy that he can be. Yeah, plus real glue guy. Everybody loves him. So love love me some Vinny Pasquantino. Excited for him to be hitting third or fourth just all year next year, every single day. Yeah, that'll be great. Uh, Mike, give us the minor league position player of the year, please. Wow, this guy was unreal and continues to be in the Arizona Fall League. Tyler Gentry is our minor league position player of the year. I believe he was, was he drafted out of Alabama. Am I right there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Drafted out of Alabama, outfielder, corner outfielder out of Alabama. He hit, listen to this, over two different levels. over was a high A and double A. Mm-hmm. He hit 326 with a 4.22 on-base percentage and a 5.42 slugging. He had it well over 9.50, you know, over a 9.50 OPS. Unbelievable job by Drew Saylor and the the hitting coordinators developing Tyler Gentry. He hit for power. He got on-base. He's yet another exciting, especially since it looks like he's tearing up the Arizona Fall League. I mean, it's early still, but he looks really good so far he might come out as a top hundred prospect at the beginning of next year. I, I expect that to be the case in baseball. Uh, I, I ranked him the number one Royals prospect and people told me I was crazy after the draft. I ranked him the number one Royals prospect for the Royals Farm report prospect rankings things. And everybody's like, you are nuts. but I'm not nuts. okay. Trust me on this one. Tyler Gentry can hit the friggin' baseball. His swing. Beautiful. You would, you want to hang it in the loop. It's gorgeous. Effortless. He's got a ton of, like, um, he's it's not grooved at all. He doesn't have to groove his swing for power. He's got a lot of plate coverage, a lot of ability to adjust on, to balls and things like that. He actually chokes up when he's got two strikes. It gives him a lot of back control and things like that. Love seeing the way he swings. All fields power. Really great uh, to, to watch him hit. I got a lot of faith in him. It'll be interesting to see if they take him back to AA or put him straight in AAA to start next year. If he does well in the fall league, I'm guessing he's going straight to AAA. Um, but... We gotta get. We gotta Love get Tyler to Gentry. a place to see him. I've never seen him play. Yeah, well, I'm, I was going to talk to you sometime soon about going down to spring training next year, but well, that's that's an off pod kind of thing, <laughs> uh, Mike. Uh, I'll do our minor league pitcher of the year. Not a not a lot of uh, great performances to choose from, honestly, guys. Uh, for this minor is the league hardest the one year. to pick because there wasn't anybody. There's there just, nobody. we're scraping the barrel. <laughs> Some relief pitchers. We could have given it to somebody like Jose Quas, who did well in the minors this year and then spent a significant amount of time in the major leagues or something like that. We just decided to go ahead and give it to a starter who'd been in the minors all year. We gave it to Ben Coderna. Ben Coderna had a 3.48 ERA and 72 and a third innings pitch this year. What's most important is it looks like he's developing, acclimating and that sort of thing. Uh, so you hope that new pitching development can get in and start working with a lot of these guys who have arm talent. Guys like Alec Marsh and Will Klein and Asa Lacey and all these other guys bowling and actually turn them into something worth uh, worth you know contributing to a Major League Baseball team or that is capable of contributing to a Major League Baseball team. This is my favorite award. The next one, the Galaxy Brain Award. This goes to the most Galaxy Brain decision that anybody made for the Royals organization this year. Mike, tell us who is the winner or what is the winner of the Galaxy Brain Award this year? Yeah, we're not giving this to an individual, but the the decision is the most galaxy brain decision uh, is not firing Cal Eldred prior to the season. Um, It was obvious. It was on the wall. Lots of people were saying they should do it. They didn't. And now they're reaping that awful thing that they sowed. That's right. Um, And so, yeah, not firing Cal Cal Eldred. Congratulations. You're the most galaxy brain decision of the year. (laughs) <laughs> it cost you a year of Brady service, Brady Singer service time, a year of Daniel Lynch's, Chris Bubich's. You know, all these guys cost you a year of their service time. Lost you a year's worth of development. That may have you, may have ruined Jackson Coar's whole career. May have. <laughs> I don't know. May have ruined some of those guys' careers. Honestly, like, and so, like, yeah, uh, that that was a that decision had a big big impact. Uh, that was very negative. Uh, but we do want to be fair. Let's give the actually that was pretty smart award. And we're going to give that to sending Brady Singer down. At the time, everybody was kind of like, yeah, he looks bad. Maybe he needs to go down. But, you know, it's not necessarily a no-brainer that you take a guy who's been a starter for you and been successful at times and is like the future of your rotation. You say we're sending you back down to AAA. But they did it. They had him work on his changeup. They had him work on his command. And he came back up and completely slayed. So we're going to give that the actually that was pretty smart award because it was pretty smart. Since there is no Royals baseball to preview this week, we've decided to go ahead and preview the offseason. It's an important one for the Royals, especially on the personnel side. So Mike, let's dive right in. What offseason personnel moves are you most interested in following? Are you following closely? Well, you're going to talk about some coaching and some organization personnel. I want to know what are they doing with the starting rotation. That's my big thing. Like if you if you come out here and you don't get anybody I mentioned this earlier, you're essentially saying we're, we are kind of scrapping the control that we have with these young hitters. And that'll be very depressing for me. I hope they go out and they do something while they're building the stuff up in the minors. You can do both. It's allowed. It's a lot. You're allowed to mm-hmm. go out and get yourself some pitching to be competitive for these next couple of years while still revamping your pitching development system. Especially if you're only giving one, two, three year contracts. Yeah, you'll be fine. Like none of the guys that you want to try to extend if you want to do that are coming up in the next two or three years so go ahead you know like sign some guys for sign Mike Clevenger go sign Chris Bassett go sign you know even a guy as old as Corey Kluber he had a good year this year he's 37 he's not looking for more than a year you know like go out and sign some of these guys and you you'll, you might have a chance you know at the very least it'll make things more interesting for the fans and you want a downtown baseball stadium you better, better be winning the next few years not in not in six yeah you know? that makes perfect sense um, I'm actually most interested in the pitching coordinator role that Jason Simon Tachi got let go from. I think that's a huge, huge, and I don't know if they're even going to keep that role or if they're going to sort of restructure entirely in the minor leagues or what, but I want to see who's, who are the higher ups in the minor league pitching development after this off season, because they're going to have a huge, huge say and a huge impact on whether or not this minor league pitching development turns around in some way, because that is like the most desperate thing that they need. They need the ability to develop minor league pitching because right now it is not very good. Yeah. Agreed. But I, I, I wonder, do they, do they hang on to Paul Gibson? Yeah. I think they've already said they're going to do that. Yeah. And he kind of came, I, I wasn't sure if he was mentioned or not. I know they mentioned uh, Alex Zumwalt staying in his role and, and those types of things, but, and, and then, uh, uh, was it Hollins, the first base coach? I know they mentioned, mm-hmm. mentioned him staying in his role and stuff, but uh, if, if Gibson stays there, I wonder if it's in the same capacity, all that. So, so all of those sort of things, how they restructure that pitching development, I think is going to also be very important. Yeah. I want to read a story from some of the, some beat writer who right now there's no beat writer for the Royals for the athletic. And they're the only one who really like tries to write serious stories in my mind. And so, uh, I want to see somebody come out and explain exactly how that pitching development has changed over the course of this off season. because it needs to change significantly I'm just curious as to how they're going to go about doing it. Of course, everyone's talking about the manager position. They need a new manager. A lot of uh, names getting floated out there about who might become the new manager for the Royals. Mike went out and did some research. Unusual for him. He went out and did some research and found some uh, candidates. So let's talk about them, Mike. Tell us who you'd like to see the Royals look at for manager this year. Well, before I jump into these things, I want to give credit to David Leske and uh, Inside the Crown. Uh, if you don't subscribe to that, his Substack, go do that. He did a much more in-depth thing than what we're going to go through here. It was very good on both the manager position and the pitching coach. So I highly recommend going and reading those things before I jump into this, because some of this stuff I got directly from there. So just want to let you know, I give credit where credit is due. He did a great job going through that stuff, uh, for my manager candidates though, here are the three that I like Raul Ibanez, which is kind of an out of left field one. Because he doesn't have any manager experience, um, he was an analyst for the Dodgers a, a few years ago, and right now he holds a position with Major League Baseball. But if he's interested in getting back on the field, that could be a guy that that um, the Royals look to. You know, we we know at the end of his career, he came to the Royals and had some success uh, as in sort of like a mentor kind of role. So I like him, um, and was a, a Royal early in his career as well. Yeah, right? got so, got his start with the Royals. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of affiliation with Kansas City. Yeah. And then another guy that I really like, like if if you were going to say out of these three, Mike, who do you really want? This is the guy. Um, I believe his name is pronounced Kai Correa, Correa um, Giants bench coach. He's from that Gabe Kapler tree when Kapler got the job as the Giants uh, coach. He brought Correa in as his bench coach. Uh, he the Giants do more platooning than just about any other team in the league. And he has that understanding of the best way to platoon guys. And I think that can be a very big strength for a manager. And so that's, that's a guy that may, I'd be very interesting. Kapler is a very uh, analytics guy. The Giants are an analytics organization. looks like that's where the Royals are trying to go. I think he'd be a great uh, fit there, especially if you want to really, he's nothing like Mike Matheny. So if you really want to go Hmm. 180 from Mike Matheny, he's your guy. And then I'm going to mention one other guy, and then I'll throw another name in there just because it's interesting. But, Uh, Matt Quattrero. uh, He's the bench coach for the Rays. He's a former Guardians hitting coach. So there is that John Sherman connection as well. Also uh, an analytics guy, but uh, he's also, I think another would be another strong candidate coming out of the Rays organization that also does a lot of platooning and that also gets a lot out of their offense when in fact they don't have maybe a lot of the superstar power uh, offensively that they, that, that you'd be used to. So the only other guy I'll throw out there that would be kind of out of left field, but Jace Tingler, he is a, he is a uh, local guy. He's from Smithville. Uh, He coached for the Padres a few years ago. He was the manager for the Padres, Uh, but he's another, just a name to keep your eye on. Um, You and I knew his little brother in college. So uh, that's why I bring him up as well. (laughs) All right. Never know. Uh, yeah, all those guys sound interesting to me. I like Correa as a choice as well. I like Quatrero as a choice as well. Those are the two names that I've been most excited about for the Royals at manager. Um, you got to. I'm of the mind, of course, that managers don't actually do that much and aren't that um, don't add that much value. Although that does change when you talk about somebody who really knows how to platoon well, right? Like um, platooning does does help. And so, you know, I'm interested in somebody who. All the manager usually does is set a lineup and do pitching changes and stuff. It's not like he's out there helping the pitchers create game plans or anything, or, you know, helping the hitters learn about pitchers they're going to face. That's the job of pitching and hitting coaches. Like, um, the guy who's like, he just sort of, he does big picture stuff, like set the lineup and stuff like that. And so the better you are at setting a lineup, the better you are at, you know, being a manager in my mind. Um, and so I'd love somebody who's like really, really good at it like that. You also went out and did some, uh, research on pitching coaches Another one, this is actually more important to me than the manager change and the manager decision. Tell us who you like at pitching coach, Mike. Well, again, I got to give some credit to David Lesky here because I got a lot of this information from him. Um, But these are some interesting ones. And I'll tell you for different reasons. The one that I think is probably the most out of left field here, I'll say it first, Dan Heron. Remember Dan Heron? I do. Yeah. Had had a heck of a career in Major League Baseball. Uh, Even in the time that he pitched was known as a guy that was really data driven. And now he is, let's see, what's his official title? He's a pitching strategist for the Diamondbacks and has been since this uh, 2017. Now, I don't know how realistic this is because I, I assume if Dan Heron wanted to be on the field and doing things like the, uh, pitching coach type things, he could be doing that already. Um, you know, he, he pitched for the Diamondbacks for a long time, so I'm guessing he lives in Arizona. don't know if he'd really want to leave Arizona. But I think he's a a very interesting pitching mind. He's a great follow on social media. I think he can connect with young pitchers very well. Um, But I I think the likelihood is very low that he wants to be a pitching coach. Uh, Connor McGinnis is another one. He's a Dodgers assistant pitching coach. And this one would be really, really interesting. Because the Dodgers in the last few years and other teams that have the money and really rely on technology have gone to this – technology that essentially analyzes a pitcher's hand on the ball and how it affects the spin rate of a ball. Okay. And this guy started a company that does that. And so they hired him as, as a, an assist or assistant pitching coach, uh, because of those things. And so that's kind of his niche is like, how can your hand affect the spin rate of a baseball? Uh, so I think he'd be an interesting guy to add to the organization, Again, I don't know if he necessarily wants to be a pitching coach, although he's an assistant pitching coach now, so you would think that might be helpful. Um, And then this guy is probably the one that's most realistic and I think would be a huge, huge get for the Royals. Brian Sweeney. He's a bullpen coach for the Guardians. He is known as an analytics guru, but he does have uh, some of that, I don't want to call it old school, some of the biomechanical kind of stuff, mechanics stuff that are important to him. But he is an analytics guy as well and has been involved in that just constant churning of wonderful pitchers from the Guardians. So I think he would be a great get. I think any of those guys would be really good for the Royals. But uh, the one that if you're looking for a more traditional pitching coach, Brian Sweeney's probably that guy. Excellent. Yeah, I'll take any of those guys. They're all coming from programs that I think are probably a good... Um good programs to emulate, I would say. And then Heron is just an interesting guy (laughs) in general. I think, make make but you're right. I don't think he's ever going to want to be a pitching coach. He made a lot of money in his career. He doesn't need money or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And so, um, you know, going on the road, I think is not something he probably really wants to do. Yeah. And, and one thing we should probably mention as well, Brian Bannister is a, a guy that's been on a lot of people's minds. Right. He is certainly an option. Um, he, he did not actually work for the giants this year. Um, but he has the previous years and did wonderful wonderful things for their pitching organization um and so yeah he's but he he's a guru he's a, he's a guy that knows and understands analytics in baseball and has ever since he was a pitcher for the Royals um would he want to come here I don't know but that's the thing I wouldn't even entertain the notion of the Royals getting him like a month ago. And now I'm like, maybe, uh, because you know, yeah, honestly Royals Farm report did this thing the other day where they just tweeted at him being like, Hey, come back to Kansas city. And he tweeted back like this really cryptic. I would, I am in the mood for some strouds, you know, like just some you know, stuff back and forth. It's like, uh, would he consider coming back to Kansas city? It seems unlikely to me, but, um, what the hell, give us some hope. Brian Bannister, come back to Kansas city. We really, really want you. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our just a bit outside segment where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike loves to pander to people. So he's going to do mostly pandering (laughs) during his just a bit outside this week. I'm going to talk about something funny and awesome, but he's going to talk about pandering. I do want to throw in a quick programming note. Uh, This is our last weekly episode uh, until the next in season gets going again. Uh, We'll do, we'll do monthly episodes like we do during the off season from now on. So you won't hear from us again for another month unless something crazy happens. Like, they decide to sign a manager and they sign Tony La Russa or something like that, you know. God, um no. if they do that <laughs> they sign a pitching coach and it's Luke Hochaver, you know, something like that. You if know? They do that, we'll be pivoting to 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 Chiefs weekly. <laughs> we'll be pivoting to uh to sporting KC weekly or there aren't KC enough Current chief weekly. podcasts. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Um yeah, but anyway. Mike, tell us what is interesting to you outside the world of baseball. Well, I I wanted to take my time for just a bit outside to thank all the wonderful listeners, all the weekly weirdos who have tuned in for our second season. Now we've done two seasons now of Royals weekly and it's gotten bigger and it's We've gotten more followers and more listeners and we've put out more content this year than we did last year, the YouTube uh, edition and stuff, all that stuff, the video content. Um, It's been great. You guys have been great interacting with us on social media. The the story from Alex the other day that he had out there on Twitter, I, I don't even know if you saw it. I did. Yeah. He basically put out that he was listening to the podcast in an Applebee's, and somebody came up to his window and said, Hey, is that Royals Weekly? And I was like, Oh man, that I feel like I've made it. Like somebody <laughs> who wasn't listening to our podcast, randomly heard it and knew what they were talking about. There are people who listen to Royals Weekly who have connected in the general public. And that is That's more than I ever thought we would ever be. So uh, I have to thank you guys for listening and uh, thank everybody. Now, is a lot of it just bots and our friends and family? Yeah. But our friends and family are active, damn it, okay? Yeah. They, they yeah. get out there. They eat at Applebee's. They are out there. Well, they are okay? definitely at Applebee's. So thank That's you, everybody. definitely our crowd. Um, And so, yeah, thank <laughs> you so much, Weekly Weirdos. We really appreciate it. We got a lot of loyal fans online who are just interested in participating and, and sending us questions for mailbags and just interacting with us. And we love that stuff. We, we love sort of talking baseball with people in a way that's not just one directional. We don't see it as ourselves. as like talking at you. We're just part of a conversation that we like to have with you. So follow us on all the social medias. Let's keep this conversation going. It's going to be a wild and interesting off season, but thank you so much for listening this year. I cannot thank you enough for telling people, friends and family that they should listen. It's been awesome to watch this grow over the course of the last two years so much fun for mike and i to do and we're going to keep doing it until it's no longer fun anymore which honestly we've done it through two pretty terrible seasons so i don't know how it can get lower or anything like that <laughs> imagine if know. they start winning how fun this could well, be yeah i know i cannot wait until they actually start winning and see what this podcasting thing could actually be because people are coming out of the woodwork then uh, <laughs> but anyway uh i'm gonna do mine over something way less serious but way funnier uh And that is Mr. Go 30. Love Mr. Go 30. Uh, It's a a Twitter and Instagram account. I love (laughs) Mr. Go 30. If you're a coach, you have to watch Mr. Go 30. That's like a rule, okay? Uh, Mr. Go 30 is like a comedian. He's like an online comedian who does these like comedic versions of film sessions for like football film or watching basketball film. But he puts on like actual clips of games that happened. And then he like imagines what the coach is saying in these different uh in these different film sessions and it's so funny man it is hilarious he has like these stock characters that play you know one of them is named davis one of them is named charles one of them is named connor charles is by far my favorite they sort of follow a similar format all the time (laughs) i love charles (laughs) charles is like this uh mike knows charles so well because he's coached Uh, for so long he's met met a thousand charleses right like uh yeah, Charles is like this happy. I'm just happy to be here, kind of a guy, <laughs> you know. Like, so any times he makes a mistake, and Coach calls him out for, it and he's yelling, at him, he's just like, ah, darn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really funny. Davis is like the yeah, butt of every he's joke. The, he's like the, the one that bag. Coach like gets on the most and yeah. makes the most mistakes, and he's the punching bag. Uh, but it's just really, really funny. If you get a chance, go to Twitter or Instagram, look up Mr. Go Thirty, and just start watching what now must be hours of video (laughs) of this, that this dude has put up because it is so, so funny. And uh, yeah, it's got a little bit of dark, not darkness. It's like, uh, it's a little edgy at times, you know, he, uh, (laughs) but uh, it's still so funny. Um, And so, yeah, maybe not for the kids, but uh, definitely for the adults in the, in the room. Uh, So yeah, go watch Mr. Go 30. Thank you so much for listening all year. Weekly weirdos. We really appreciate you. Uh, we'll be back if anything exciting happens. But if not, we'll be back for a month in about a month with a new episode. Until then, be good to each other and go Royals.